MSW Media. Hi, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Dan Don on What We're Drinking Now. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hey, now, good to have you. Very excited. Coming up in just a few minutes, I'm going to be chatting with the voice of UFC, Ultimate Fighting, Bruce Buffer. It's time! It's not quite time, Bruce. Coming up, though, in in a few minutes, like I just said. Also want to remind you folks that I am going to be doing a live recording of what we're drinking with Dan Dunn at the Townhouse in Venice, California on Wednesday, July 13th. Live recording. It's going to be a blast. My guests are comedian Brad Williams, comedian Kim Congdon, and the great Zane Lamprey, former host of Three Sheets and Drinking Made Easy, plus some special guests. It's going to be sponsored by our friends at Rabbit Hole. We're going to be pouring some bourbon and rye there. If you want tickets, go to townhousevenice.com. Click calendar and you'll scroll down and see the show Wednesday, July 13th. Get the tickets. You get a drink included with the price of admission. I really hope to see you there. What else? It's time! No, no. Bruce, not yet, but soon. I I swear to you, soon. Also want to remind you to check out uh, me on the Instagram at the Imbiber. The podcast is WWD underscore podcast. I keep up on the news there. I talk about things. I'll even put up some drinking stuff. Uh, I was just down in San Diego. You'll see some shots from down there. I had some drinking. I went to a bunch of the bars down in San Diego. What What a great town. It's a great drinking town, San Diego. I uh, I highly recommend it, going there. We did 48 hours, and I feel like we did it right. We squeezed in lots of activity. Those of you out there thinking about going to San Diego, and you should, because it's, it's a beautiful place, just lovely, and, and, and very close to the Mexican border. If you want to continue down and broaden your cultural horizons, you can go down to Mexico. But like I said, 48 hours. I'm going to give you my quick guide to a weekend getaway in San Diego, if you've got a pen and paper handy, you might want to take some notes. Now, the first thing, the, the hotel is very important. Now, the, the most well-known area of San Diego, of course, is the Gas Lamp District. If you're under the age of, say, 28, say go for it. Stay in the Gas Lamp District. Get yourself, a, I don't know, maybe the Hard Rock Hotel still there. But for me, getting a little longer in the tooth, uh, well, there's too many youngins down there. It's it's a bit much. I like going into that area, but I don't want to stay there. 
So on this past trip, I stayed at a place called the Guild Hotel, which is right steps away from my favorite neighborhood in San Diego, Little Italy. I got to say, I, I, I dug it. Guild's got a great vibe. It's uh, located in the, there's a historic armed services building. It's cool. It, you know, it just, it feels like a, it's very, very, very Southern California, very light and airy. It's got high ceilings, original tire work, tile work, and uh, elegant archways, exposed brick walls. It's got this Riviera-style courtyard. I, I don't know. It's it's like historic and modern at the same time. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I, I, I dig the hotel. The rooms are great. Good location. Another great thing about the Guild is it's two blocks away from a restaurant called Anime. Now, Anime is the brainchild of Brian Malarkey. He's probably San Diego's most famous chef. He was a judge on Guy's Grocery Games. He was a finalist on Top Chef Season 3. He did Top Chef All-Stars. He was the winning mentor on ABC's The Taste. You know Brian Malarkey. Come on. Now, I don't know if he's actually working there, but but his executive chef at Anime is Tara Mansad, who she's just a master of Asian fusion cuisine. So... I ate there on Saturday night with three of my friends, and it was the single best meal I've ever had in San Diego, and I've been down to San Diego a lot. Oh, boy. I mean, we did it up. We had appetizers. We had this caviar shrimp toast. It was mind-blowing. Tuna crispy rice, but not not where they do the square rice they put to it. Not like that. They mix it all together. Tuna crispy rice, sublime. And then these spicy cucumbers that Fresno chili on them. And then maybe the best of the appetizers is A5 Wagyu Tartare. They specialize in Wagyu beef down there at, at Anime. And this Wagyu Tartare, I mean, my mouth is watering now just thinking about it. Uh, and then we did a whole bunch of entrees. We had steak and short rib kari kari, Shanghai crab noodles. Ooh, they were so good. And the cocktail program, top notch. Uh, the room itself, gorgeous. It's like a futurist interpretation of Art Deco design. You know, it, it felt to me like I was in this ornate theater. And the service was great. I mean, it's just great. Like I said, best dining experience I've ever had in San Diego. I couldn't recommend anime more highly. But you're like, dude, this is what we're drinking. What about the bars? Well, yeah, we did the bars. We hit this cool divey place. This is, we did some day drinking on Saturday divey place in little lily called the princess pub sat outside for a while and then the heat got to be too much it was it was a warm one uh, but it, while we were able to stand the heat we did it was great people watching there's a lot of people down there and you know you're very close to the water and then we went inside and we played darts now my one knock is they the darts they have on on hand they were very old and they would not stick and the board needs to be updated you hear me princess pub great room great vibe update your dart situation i'm a dart connoisseur and after that we went a little more upscale this place called the kettner exchange has a killer rooftop bar where you can look out at the ocean the marina and it just feels right it just feels good i feel like i was in top gun like if 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 maverick would have walked in i'd be like yeah man it was really close to where that is too we didn't go there but oh and the other thing you got to do when you're down in san diego you got to hit a padres game we did that went to petco park I'm from Philadelphia, as anybody who listens to this show knows. The Phillies were in town. That was part of the reason we planned this trip. We had a four-game series, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the Phillies won three out of the four games. Yeah! Guess which game I went to? <laughs> the one they lost on Friday night. But it was still amazing. We we were in a suite 
It was a friend of mine's birthday. Happy birthday, Tommy. Oh, Tommy Fitzpatrick had a milestone birthday, and his lovely wife, Monica, got a suite. And we we just did it up, or she did it up, and we we benefited from it. Uh, but uh, Petco, top five stadium in, in all of Major League Baseball. It's right there, right in the gas lamp. You can walk there. There's a, just so much activity going on around that stadium. And then when you get in it, every, every, the sight lines are amazing. It's, it's great. Yeah. San Diego. That's San Diego in 48 hours, according to me. All very exciting. And, oh, and I also have a little bit, wait, what? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Now, this is even Bruce Buffer. That's Bruce Buffer's brother, Michael. Yeah, we're ready to rumble, Michael. We are ready to rumble here on the show, but you're not on it. It's your brother. Come on. Calm down. Calm down, Buffer boys. Boy, I'm I'm awfully excited right now because on the line, on the Zoom, as the kids are calling it these days, we've got our old friend, our roving reporter. We have not talked to him in, it seems like, forever, but it's got to be a couple months, Brad Jaffe. Uh, Mr. Dunn, how are you doing today? Coming at you live here from uh, sunny Santa Barbara, California, in your neck of the woods. Santa Barbara? That's way too close. You've been everywhere. You were, Aren't you living in Europe, I thought, last time we talked? Yeah, exactly. I, I recommend to everybody that now is a great time to experiment with expatriation. Uh, the United Kingdom has a fantastic uh, bar scene, bar culture, or, or London in, in general, where I live, uh, I would say is probably at the top right now for uh, bar culture. Um, and so I'm loving life over there. Top of it? What do you mean? Like top in the world? The best bar culture in the world, as you're saying? It's uh, a bold you know, statement. It, it, it's them in New York that keep going back and forth and, and, you know, trying to push each other to go further and further. But, you know, when you look at the top bars, in the world, if we want to start talking about some of these arbitrary lists and awards that get assembled, uh, London kind of uh, has 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 uh, more than any other city right now. Well, I saw. Did you publish something recently? Was it in Bloomberg? The the cocktail of the summer. What, what, yes. What, what's this all about? So I know you're going to get you're going to sink your teeth into this one and and really appreciate it. But um, if you want to read the article, I could just give you the spoiler alert right now. It is the vegetable martini. So put down those Aperol spritzes, put down the espresso martinis. Uh, we're going to do something healthy here, and we're going to drink our vegetables this summer, Dan. Wait, 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 hold on. This seems like crazy talk here. The vegetable, what is in a? Ve- I mean, vegetables, but what type of vegetables are in a vegetable martini? Oh yeah, I mean, in London right now, a very popular drink is the tomatini. So we can have some pureed tomatoes in there. Not incredibly different from a Bloody Mary, um, but just has more vodka in it and less of those other pesky uh, additives and spices. Um, There's an avocado martini that I profiled, also one that was made with heart leaf, um, whatever the hell that is. But uh, it's an exotic herb. I don't know if I can say exotic. It's an esoteric herb. Is exotic Um, a word? Is is that on the the do not say list? Yeah, I don't think you're Exotic. Exotic. Why yeah, can't we say exotic? I, uh, you have to ask Twitter. <laughs> I am not. Hold done. on. Hold on. Let, let's let, hold on a second. I, I can't let this this stand right now. Let's go. Yeah. Let's let's let me consult the uh, the dictionary here. Exotic. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Originating in or characteristic of a distant foreign country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? So you're you're othering is what the uh, kids would say. Uh, oh, I. 
God. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's not okay. exotic. So, it's so a, there's there's a number of articles I just pulled up where um, it's saying you know why you shouldn't say exotic and and you're a terrible person if you say it. So I take that back. It's not an exotic herb. It is a non traditional herb. I will tell you that I have heard this. I have a, as you know, I write screenplays as well, and I have one that's in moving along right now. And I, in one no of the deal. scripts, I described uh, the female lead as an exotic beauty, and I was okay. told that I had to get rid of that. But here's the conundrum. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the interesting part. Is diversity. Oh, I'm already, you know, being the white guy writing the script, I'm not going to bitch about that. That's fine. But diversity is the the order of the day out here in Hollywood, right? And that's great. And a mm-hmm. long time coming. So how do you describe it? That was my way of saying you can cast anybody in this role. What's the word then? What do I use? I can't say a, a you know, an African-American woman or Let's Latina. just say not, not white. And, so how is exotic? Not like ba- exotic sounds better than not white. Not white seems yeah. crazy to say that in the script. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 we're on I a digress. tangent here. We're, I digress. <laughs> um, so you're over there. You also did, you, I know you went to Mexico and then you went to Brooklyn Bar Convent? Covenant? Convent? Bar Convent. No, no, no nuns involved, Dan. Um, it is Bar Convent berlin that's the original is bar convent berlin uh and then four years ago actually five years ago now they uh did a spinoff that has been hosted in brooklyn uh bcb the cool kids call it for short so this was the fourth iteration of that obviously they did not do one in 2020 um but it, it launched in 2018 let's say and so this is the fourth one and it's it's great i mean it is a great way to go out and see uh, what's new and next in the world, specifically a spirits more so than cocktails. Um, so you can kind of see some emerging brands. Um, you could taste some of the lesser known uh, liqueurs and liquor categories from parts of the world that we will not be describing as exotic. Gotcha. So a lot going on there and you're, cause yeah. you're always on, you're always on the, the tip. You're always like, you know, you you are leading voice in the in the community, so you got to stay tip on of the spear. The tip of the spear. You got to stay on top of things. Um, and speaking of staying on top of things, today an article dropped that you wrote. By the time you guys hear this podcast, it will have been a couple of days. But it's uh, Brad wrote it for Rolling Stone. It's on RollingStone.com. The headline is "It's Always Sunny Stars Break the Fourth Wall with New Irish Whiskey Release." Those are my boys, Glenn, Rob, Charlie, my old friends from "It's Always Sunny." Let's talk a little bit about what they got going on. Yeah, and it's actually uh, funny you should mention it because it's in my glass right now. Um, this is the what the whiskey will look like. This it's is ten o'clock actually, in the morning, Brad. What the hell are you doing? Well, it you know it's one o'clock back in the East Coast. I was going to try and pretend that that's where I was, <laughs> okay. but I already mentioned I'm in Santa Barbara. But yeah, um, it grows drinker. great in your coffee. Um, yeah. They did this. This is a thousand dollar bottle of fifteen year old uh, Irish single malt, uh, but it is uh, benefiting. Uh, charities uh, in the wonderful, uh, your your home state, Commonwealth of uh, Pennsylvania. So it's all for a good cause, hospitality workers um, that obviously have been hit hard by the conditions of the pandemic. Um, so I got to sit down uh, and sip some with your buddy, Glenn Howardin, uh, who plays Dennis Reynolds on the show. And what was really exciting for me was just to see how passionate he is about whiskey. I'd heard him relay that through the podcast that It's Always Sunny Guys are doing. I know we don't mention other podcasts on this no, program. No, I haven't listened to that one. No, it's it's quite funny. And, uh, you know, I was really interested that, you know, he talks a lot about rye. Rye is one of his favorite categories. 
uh, of whiskey. And this one, of course, has a tie-in to the show. For those that don't watch Patty's Pub, it's technically very technically a show about a bar, right? So as as uh, Glenn was mentioning, you know, they are more on brand releasing a whiskey than just about any of these other celebrity spirits that you're seeing out there. So I kind of put them on the spot a little and I'm like, are you saying you're more on brand than Dwayne Johnson, say, having a tequila, you know? Well, it's good that you got to talk to Glenn. Uh, I, uh, I'm i trying to get him. I've only known him for, you know, 15 years, uh, wrote, <laughs> wrote and produced a pilot with him. Uh, we've dinner multiple times. We wrote, wrote a book. Wrote a book. I wrote the Always Sunny in Philadelphia self-help book. But it's good that you got him and I can't book him on this fucking show. Glenn. <laughs> I'm hoping to get him. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll that's get the way him. to do it. <laughs> I'm so bitter. Um, so man, you got a you got a ton going on now. You're you going back. You're going back to the UK, right? Is that correct? Uh, I I will do that. Um, although I um, will be here in uh, later in July for um, for uh, Tales of the Cocktail. Speaking of trade shows, that's I may the be mother, there as well. I may be. mother of all trade shows. I think that we'll probably be interacting. Uh, down there, me, you, and a couple of nuns. I'm hoping. Yeah, uh, we'll all the be covens. in attendance. Are you Are you going to be in LA on July 13th? Because I'm doing a live broadcast of the show here at the Townhouse in Venice on July 13th. And Brad has been on stage with me before. We did a show at the Stand in New York. But if you're here on the 13th, man, we'll bring you up at the Townhouse, July 13th. Yeah, yeah I saw you were just. Uh, at what was it like a live taping or a live event with uh, Corolla? And I saw that you got to see Lit the band perform. Oh, they're nice guys, was, really nice guys, God, and man, they were good, that's man. Cool, man, that's one of my go-to karaoke songs. By the way, my own worst um, enemy. So, yeah, of course. I mean, do they do they have other songs? <laughs> they got a. I'll tell you what, man. They were jamming out. I, I knew there was like two or three that I recognized when they were playing. Uh, right. Yeah, that Corolla thing was great. A lot of fun. The people there were great. We we had some friends. Our friends from Fresh Victor were there. Batiste Rum, me. I'm like famous at that thing. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. It's the only place that I'm famous. Is it? Yeah, I, I'm I'm famous all around uh, the world actually. But unfortunately, it's because people think that I'm Zach Galifianakis. So it's technically it's fame adjacent. So. You have that look. You do have that look. So. What's the next article wise? We got the sunny one. Check that out on Rolling Stone. Go to Bloomberg for the cocktail of the summer. Yes, sir. Vegetable. Uh, I, I think that's nuts. That's craziness. Vegetables. I, I don't think drinking should be healthy. When I get these pitches, they pitch me and they're like, I don't want it to be healthy. I want it to be fucking bad. It's the same thing when people are drinking vodka Red Bull. It bothers me right. when people order that. I'm like, hey, man, do it the old fashioned way and get a fucking bindle. If you want to stay yeah. up, do some cocaine like our ancestors did. <laughs> like our forefathers. Our forefathers oh, no, took cocaine. They weren't pussies with Red Bull. I'm not promoting <laughs> doing cocaine on the show. Unless you guys have any, then hit me up. <laughs> I'm being a little tired. Um, also, um, you know, I had an article with Thrillist very recently, which quoted uh, yours truly. Um, you? Yours truly. Oh, me. Yeah. Yes, you. What did I say? Um, Something good? I hope. It was about uh, the future of happy hour. In the post-pandemic era, I don't even think you can say post-pandemic, but the the era that we're living in now, um, and you gave some very colorful commentary, as is always the case. Dan Dunn is great for shooting from the hip. I give a good quote. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so it was, you know, a little bit surly there. I think you you might have some contention, uh, a bone to pick with some of these overly precious uh, mixology dens of the day. Well, the whole thing pisses me off. You, you and I were talking recently and off, off the air, Brad and I are, uh, you can tell when the, the, the rapport we have, we are friends off the air as well. 
And we mentioned Tales of the Cocktail. So they got this big thing at Tales of the Cocktail called the Spirited Awards. It's like the Oscars of the booze biz. I get shut out every fucking year. Brad, you get nominated fairly often. I don't. Yeah, I lost to that. I lost to that dick Wayne Curtis. No, <laughs> fucking Wayne. Wayne Curtis no, I like is Wayne. like one of the nicest. I'm, guys uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to throw any of my friends under the bus, but let's just say when I saw the nominees, first of all, podcasts don't even get their own category. That's how behind the times this fucking thing is. Where podcasts get lumped in with other visual media and broadcast or something. Yeah. So meanwhile, meanwhile, podcasts are the way that pretty much everybody is digesting content and information nowadays. Like I can't get anybody to read my articles. They all just want podcasts. And as everybody that's listening right now knows, this is the best drinking podcast there is. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not going to be humble. I'm going to be fake modest about this. Put any other drinking show, with all due respect to my friends at Bourbon Pursuit and and the Speakeasy and some of these other ones, they fucking suck compared to this show. That's it. I'm going to say it right now. Uh, If you were to make a list of the people that have been on this show, not just famous people, which there are countless, countless, countless famous Mm -hmm. people, but also famous people, famous in the industry, the luminaries of the industry, not to mention the high quality of, uh, of witty rapport that happens here. Listen to this. You don't get this. You don't get this on bourbon pursuit. Jesus. They're from Kentucky. They can barely talk. Oh boy. I'm going to be in trouble now. I'm kidding. I love those guys, but my show is better than theirs. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, I agree. Um, but you know, when it comes to the awards that are out there and the myriad, uh, contests and, you know, you and I have both judged in spirit competitions. Um, there's a little bit of, um, are you allowed to say circle jerk? Is that? Yeah. I'm doing one right now. I've got a a group of guys (laughs) around me right now. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, you know, it's just, there's people like I've seen lists where people that created the list, put themselves on the list. Yeah, we're not like going to name we're not going to name names, but somebody who's involved in the judging that we both know always seems to get nominated every year. It's fascinating. <laughs> well, I wasn't even talking about that situation. I'm just saying that like there is a list that is, you know, in a industry magazine and they come out with like, you know, the power players yeah. and the editor of that list puts himself on that list. Yeah. And that you wouldn't see that in, you know, that is even too egregious uh, and too uh, masturbatory for Hollywood. And it doesn't get much more masturbatory than Hollywood, right? So I think the problem with my show, I don't get nominated is my, the tagline for the show. It's what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, the world's most exotic podcast. I think that's probably what it is. You think that's what's holding (laughs) me back? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I need to get more uh, politically correct with my, so what we could call, we could call the booziest, the world's booziest. No, just say circle jerk with Dan Dunn. Circle jerk with Dan Dunn. Is that still available? Uh, I, uh, I don't know, but I'm going to get on it right now. I uh, Well, listen, uh, Brad Jaffe, always a, a real pleasure to have you on. I, I, we got to get you back. Our roving correspondent all over the world. We now know so much more. I don't know about this vegetable martini, but I'll try it. I will try. I will, I'm going to go read the Bloomberg article now. You have recipes in there? Suggestions? Uh, th- there are a few recipes, and I have a series that's coming up with Thrillist uh, that will profile – uh, bars worth traveling for. Uh, so you can see the first one of those next week, and that will include recipes so that you can actually, you know, if you're not going to travel to, say, a rooftop bar in Saint Tropez or something, at least you'll know how to make it in your own home bar and turn your own home into the uh, Mediterranean coast. Sounds a little desperate to me. 
<laughs> it's like when people, yeah. I remember when I first moved here and I would meet people and I'd say, where do you live? And they would say, Beverly Hills adjacent. <laughs> There's actually a neighborhood that people refer to as Beverly Hills adjacent. And I'm like, that's, that's so fucking needy, isn't it? Like you don't live in Beverly Hills. It's like me saying, I'm, yeah, I'm fucking Maui adjacent because I live in on the, the coast of the, the, but come on, you don't live. Yeah. You live in, yeah. You live in West LA motherfucker. You're not, you can't afford yeah. Beverly Hills. Why am I so angry today, Brad? What's going on? Cause I'm not yeah, drinking. Well, I'm, you're drinking. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend if this is still available when you're, when your folks are uh, listening to this, when your audience is listening to it, go on and check it out. Cause they also have another one. That's only $89, Dan, far more modest. And that blends in some of your, uh, your Pennsylvania whiskey that you guys love. You have a great mm. tradition in your, in your home Commonwealth, uh, when it comes to rye specifically. Wasn't the uh, first distillery in Pennsylvania and it ultimately became Michter's. It was, um, yeah. Shanks. Sh- Shanks. Shanks. Yeah. Exactly. Shanks. Look at us. Look at know, look we, at we know our Check stuff. Check out the big brain on Brad. <laughs> I will Old Monongahela. Follow Brad. He's at journeys underscore with Jaffe. Something. What is it? Journeys underscore with underscore Jaffe. J-A-P-H-E. Super easy. Yeah, that's really easy. Thanks for making it easy on us. Journeys underscore with underscore. Is it with spelled out or just W? No, with well, of course you had to make it three extra letters. So if it's not oh, a pain boy. enough, which when you put it this way, it seems so much more difficult than it needs to be. I'm at the imbiber. No fucking mm-hmm. underscores, no dashes. It's very easy. T H E I M B I B E R. There's where you go. Brad Jaffe, he's the best. He's our roving correspondent. We're gonna take we I want you, do not fast forward right now. You need to listen to these spots to pay the bills, and then we're gonna come back with Bruce Buffer. <laughs> Yes, almost. Yes. Okay. All right, Brad. See you later. See you, Dan. Awesome. Yeah, but I, I couldn't fucking care less about anybody but Kurt Russell. Really. But Kurt I mean, Russell? I, I just, I, I think that he is one of the most underrated actors of all time. I am such a huge fan of his. He's fantastic. And, and I love that a, dude. I, a really nice fucking guy. I just, I kind of, yeah. If I, I he, I'd be more excited to meet him than almost any other. He's actor. pretty radical. Yeah, I can hook it What's up. What's he doing? He's one of those guys that like I I, just, I love him so much I don't ever want to meet him. I don't think. Really? No, not unless not unless I actually have the opportunity to really get to know him. I don't want to just brush by him. I'll be it'll be a disappointment. Okay. You know what I, I mean? I, Let him I, keep I your, his that. place in your heart. It, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. like you you know, never meet your idols kind of a thing because like I don't know, man. I mean, him is Wyatt Earp just. Well, Snake Plissken. Summer's here, friends. And summer's the time for sipping on cool, refreshing cocktails made with the best ingredients. I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. Buy the finest spirits in the world to make craft cocktails at home. But if you use crap mixers, you're going to get crap drinks. Let's face it. Whipping up cocktails at home can be a real pain in the ass. And an expensive pain in the ass at that. You always have time to go out and get fruits and veggies and squeeze them and juice them or... I don't anyway, and that's why I am all about Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that make the best drinks as conveniently and consistently as possible. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificiality, none. And the bonus of a fresh mixer over a ready-made canned cocktail is not just the jump in quality and freshness, which is huge, but the fun of actually making yourself and your guests a kick-ass drink. And right now, Fresh Victor is offering a sweet summertime special exclusively for you listeners. What we're drinking with Dan Dunn. 
Simply go to FreshVictor.com, fill up your shopping cart with these awesome mixers. Get all the flavors, try them all, and at checkout, enter code WWD20, WWD20, to get 20% off your order. Don't hesitate. Now is the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. Joining me now... Well, he's an entrepreneur, an announcer, an entertainer, motivational speaker, but really, come on, he is the official voice of the Octagon for the Ultimate Fighting Championship since 1997. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. It's time to talk to Not Bruce. Not bad. To talk to Not Bruce bad. Buffer. Now, Bruce, how are you, man? Can I get sued for that, by the way, for doing what I just no, did? No, 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 no. You're fine. I mean, I'm on the show with you, so it's okay. No worries. Just don't <laughs> use it in any promotions and you're fine. Gotcha. <laughs> now, yeah, first of all, thank you for joining us, man. And uh, and it's really great to meet you. Nice to meet you. I've seen you from afar on the show. Boy, it's. I was just watching some videos before we got on here. Man, he, that gets the crowd going, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it gets me going too. I mean, the moment that the hair stops standing up on my arms, I think I better retire because I've lost my passion for what I do. I mean, you genuinely look fired up when you're out there. I am. And you're feeding off that energy coming from that crowd, right? Yeah, the energy coming from the crowd, the energy of the moment. I mean, sometimes I have to announce because of COVID in front of empty audiences. Um, but my job is still to get these great female and male warriors, you know, more enhanced than they ever were for the moment they step in the octagon. So I treat it like there's 10,000 people in the audience, you know, and even as an example, last weekend in Singapore, where there was 12, 15,000 people in the audience. But in Asia, um, fans have a tendency to be a little quiet. They're very respectful. Um, so I felt like I was announcing to an empty arena there a couple of times. But when I say that it's time or and now or we are live, they all go crazy, which is a wonderful compliment um, that I take as a compliment to myself, which is the highest honor possible. But yeah, it takes energy, man. You got to bring them up. I never thought I'd be a cheerleader. I became the ultimate cheerleader. What's really, truly incredible about this is not just you, two brothers probably come up with the most iconic, I don't know, there isn't anything more iconic than it's time and let's get ready to rumble in terms of the, the fight game, right? I mean, that's pretty amazing that it came from the same family. Your brother Michael, who we're talking about here with Let's Get Ready right. to Rumble. Yeah. Right. Well, what's even more amazing is I only met my brother Michael when I was like 28 years old. He's my long lost half brother. I never grew up with him. Oh, seriously? That's, yeah, that's a story that's out there. I found out about Michael. When he came out on TV during the uh, heyday of boxing back in the late 80s, when Mike Tyson brought boxing back to the forefront. And I've always been a boxing fan. I'm like, who is this guy? You know, this debonair, handsome, James Bond looking character that changed the role of announcing. And um, long story cut short, about a year and a half later, after people kept asking me, who's that? Who's your brother? Is that your brother? The guy that goes, let's get ready to rumble because he became as famous, if not more famous than the boxers. And um, I said, no, my brother's Brian. And uh, he came to do a show in L.A. and had my dad call the venue and they got together for lunch when Michael called him back. Turned out to be his long lost son. Last that, time he saw him was when he was two and a half years old. That's amazing, man. And mm -hmm. then you got involved with his career, right? Uh, four years later, I sold two companies. I was very successful in the telemarketing industry and uh, some other businesses I had. And I was making you know great money, beach house, living the life of two and a half men on the beach, minus the alcoholism. And um, although there were nights, <laughs> I'm kidding. Sure. Uh, Been there too. But, <laughs> Yeah, but um, 
uh, basically four years after knowing Michael, I became his manager and partner and I sold both companies I owned. I wasn't passionate. I lost all my uh, uh, feeling for the business I was in. I was burned out, even though the money was great. And I just had to make a choice. And I rolled the dice and quit with the money I had in the bank and took a shot at trademarking that phrase, those five words. And I told him I wanted to make him richer, more famous than he ever dreamed, and myself in the process. And I wanted to announce, and we agreed I wouldn't announce boxing. I said, that's fine. Something will come along. Now, had you done announcing prep? Because you have, I mean, your voice obviously is just very distinctive. Had you Thank done you. any, had you done any vo- uh, voice work, voiceover, anything prior to that? I, I've done motivational speeches. You know, I, I ran, when I ran companies, I, I've taught thousands of salespeople, people how to sell, right? So I'm always in front of groups and I had never had a problem on the stage. To answer your question, no, not at all. Um, my but you dad, had a I mean, talent. You had a talent for you, for public I, speaking. You were not afraid to get up in front of people no, and, no, and I get had, them fired up. Which is very scary to a lot of people, but I had that feeling. So, you know, when I first got on stage or in the octagon in uh, Bayamon, Puerto Rico on February 16th, 1996, when I managed a fighter into the event, only I didn't, I managed a fighter only to get to the show. I went, I went there to convince the owner that they needed me in the octagon, that I could help them build the sport with my media contacts and everything else. Um, but when I talked to him on the phone, this was after I had my brother do three of the shows and I had to pull him because we had this big contract with WCW wrestling who got upset. He was doing the UFC and he wouldn't have been able to continue with the UFC at the pace that they grew. So I spent a year and a half trying to convince them to let me be the guy. Right. Yeah. But not on the base of, Oh, I didn't get the job because Michael Buffer had the job. I got the job because I did what I teach people in my speeches about is if you want something, you got to ask for it. Right. You got to go for it. Well, I was tenacious. So now I thought, okay, they're not asking me to do it. How do I do this? And this, this fighter, this Neanderthal, monster like tank abbott named scott ferrazzo sent me a video and i sent it to the owner and he put him in the biome puerto rico event and as his manager i got to fly down with him i put a tuxedo in the bag and i convinced robert the night before the owner of the show to let me do the prelims and he did that's amazing. and i went out and did the prelims and i thought okay i did a good job i look at it now it's like oh my god <laughs> you know sure <laughs> we all have an evolutionary process um but then it took me uh, another six months of asking and they didn't let me do anything and uh, then they asked me back to a show when the announcer couldn't make a show. And I did all of UFC 10. Then they hired somebody else. Then they asked. And then I spent another six months flying to New York, asking him for the job on deaf ears. Then they called me up and said, do you want to co-star as yourself on Friends? We're doing the biggest comedy on TV called the Ultimate Fighting Champion segment, whatever they called it. And um, I said, sure. And Warner Brothers sent a runner down to pick up audio and video. And they called me that night, said be on the set at six in the morning, rehearse all day and film on Wednesday. I met the owner on the set. I said, listen, I'm co-starring as myself now as the Octagon announcer on the biggest comedy in TV. This is the biggest PR move you've ever made, ever gotten. People are going to think I'm the announcer. You got Tank Abbey, you got John McCarthy, the referee on here. Let's stop screwing around. I feel like a girl waiting to be asked to the prom. Let's make a deal. That was the best poker hand I ever played. Because I told him, I said, I'm asking one last time. I'll never ask you again. Sometimes you got to push it all in and say, this is it, right? Like Tom Cruise said in, in Risky Business, my friend, WTF. Sometimes <laughs> you got to right. say WTF. Now, obviously, coming from a business background, you're, you're, you know, you're in on the UFC kind of nascent stages. You're looking at this. Are you able to see, Bruce, like, oh, I see where this is going, how big this thing is going to get? I saw it ever since day one. I knew it was going to be the biggest thing in fighting sports. And I was willing to uh, take the short end money, the Roach Coach Motels, everything I went through, we all went through back then, knowing where it was going to go. But I knew it had to be refined. And um, it wasn't until about seven years in or so that they started calling it mixed martial arts. 
And then guys like John McCarthy, the great referee and others, uh, got rules you know, implemented as the Fertitta brothers and Dana White did when they took over, even more so. And the moment Dana White and the Fertitta brothers took it over, we were, we were dying. We were, we were about ready to just go underground. Uh, we were taking off TV except for in demand. We we're playing to audiences instead of 10,000, 1,500 people. Um, I was doing events in Louisiana, like one where I got the main event. I'm just ready to announce it. And I get the call in my IFB in my ear that Kevin Randleman, the main event fighter, was walking out, slipped on a pole, fell, knocked himself out. And I got to tell the audience there's no main event. Oh, boy. It was cannon bottle time coming into the octagon. I mean, it was crazy stuff. But then when Dana took it over, Fertitta took it over, met them for dinner, realized their passion. I go, this is it. This is the turning point. This is the moment I've been waiting for. And the rest is history. Wow. Well, speaking of recognizing a good opportunity, so now you're involved with Puncher's Chance, uh, the bourbon. and uh, Very proudly so, yeah. And I, uh, we're not drinking it now because it is, we're recording this early in the morning and uh, Bruce and I are responsible citizens who would not dare drink at 10 a.m. But I did have some last night. I was drinking the distance and then just the regular, uh, the, the, the signature puncher's chance. And it's really good whiskey and, and really good whiskey at a great price point as well in yeah. the $35, $40. How did you get involved with the brand, Bruce? Well, I, I wanted to have a spirit line for like 10 years and I was approached for a tequila and I was approached for a cachaça rum out of Brazil where the UFC in my image is really popular. I can't even walk down the streets of Brazil. It's like we're on the level of soccer players down there. And, um, you know, which I'm very honored by. So I thought, okay, this could be a great deal, but I only do business with the best and I only represent the best. It's just, I have to, I have to be a product of the products. I have to believe in it. If I'm going to put my, you know, my passion and my soul behind it, because I'm a, I'm a very good spokesperson. I'm, I just don't go in the camera room for two days to film and use my video for the next two years. See you. Thank you. Send me a check. I'm involved. I'm a vested partner in Puncher's Chance. Um, what happened was I was filming a Super Bowl commercial back east, and one of the assistant directors said that his relative was uh, developing a bourbon. Well, I'm a bourbon drinker. I love bourbon. So I said, I'd love to meet him. Um, would they be interested in, in work, you know, me working with them as a spokesperson or, you know, in the company, if, if I like what I see. So we set the meeting and I met Umberto Lucchini and Brad Levitin and their background is so successful with their work with Cabo Wabo, Sammy Hagar's Tequila Company, Skinny Girl, Campari. And by the way, you're naming what's great about this person. Sorry to cut you off, but obviously there's been a, a massive influx of celebrities into the into the booze space in yeah, recent years but what you're talking about with sammy was kind of the forebear i remember when sammy got uh what was like 130 million for cabo wabo yeah. and everybody went oh my that's unheard of not I knowing out, yeah. not knowing yeah. that like i think i just heard something like the rock got offered five billion for you know for uh, but um and then also skinny girl she got a big payout as well so that was early on in the game so you got in with the right people they know what they're doing. I got in with the right people who know the business. Um, when they showed me the bottle, when I met them, immediately, puncher's chance. Well, hey, yeah, I've right. been an underdog. There you go. I've been an underdog my entire life, okay, and everything I've done, as we all have when you get down to it. And one punch can change your life. When I sold two companies making the equivalent of, you know, million plus of, you know, today money and what I was making back then, everybody thought I was crazy. I gave it all up. But I had a dream. I took a puncher's chance, right? And it worked out. Let me back it up, though. Where, when you say, where'd you come from? What's your background? Did you, modest background or? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I was, uh, I didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth. My family, my dad was never graduated high school. 
He ran Fortune 500 companies. We moved a lot. I was uh, born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Nine months later, Dallas, Texas. Three years later, Philadelphia, which is my hometown. Where That's all my, my hometown. Are. I'm from Philly. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Philly boy. Yes. Where'd you, where'd you live in Philly? I lived in uh, Germantown, Sheltonham Township. Okay, yeah, I grew and, up. Uh, I grew up in uh, Frankfurt. Not exactly Frankfurt. a tough neighborhood there in Philly. It's all it's all tough neighborhoods in yeah. Philly. You know, that's where I learned how to fight. I learned how to fight in Texas. I learned how to fight in Philadelphia, and it really paid off when I moved of all places to Malibu when I was fifteen, and I became a surfer and Baywatch and all that. But we fought a lot. Those fucking surfers. people don't get that man. That those surfers, that that shit can get violent up there, man. It because gets violent. yeah. Yeah. I lived the point break life. I didn't rob banks, but I did everything else in point break. Okay. That's funny. We haven't jumped out the of Malibu ma- the Malibu mafia. You part of that? Uh, we had, we, we had our moments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were, it was interesting, but you know, living there, we were middle-class. The rich people lived at the beach. We lived in the Canyon. Steve McQueen was one of my good friends for the last six years of his life. I searched in front of his house every day. So great upbringing the whole nine yards. But my dad was a natural salesman, and um, he had great charisma. He was a Marine for 13 years, drill, drill instructor, w- served in World War II in Korea. Um, I used to walk in a room and say, hey, Dad. And he'd say, son, project your voice. Let him know you're in the room. Chest out, shoulders back. I mean, I grew up like that, right? So, And my brother Michael and I say he had the best pipes out of all of us. So the pipes are natural. But I was working. We went broke as a family a few times. I remember when my mom loaned me $75 to go to Mammoth one time when I was 16 or 17 with my friends. And two weeks later, I get back and I overhear my parents wondering how they're going to pay the rent of $575 that month. And I swear to God, I went back to my room and shed tears. And I go, I'll never borrow money from my parents ever again. I will work and I will make sure they never have to worry about money. So that was a big turning point in my life. You know, I wrote about it in my book, It's Time. But I have this whole sales background. I have a background of wanting to be motivating to people, help people make money be prosperous, be healthy, and it'll all come back to me. It's a three-foot theory. I I don't worry about myself. If everybody around me is that way, based on what I'm doing, the team I'm with, it'll all come back to me. And I've held that that my entire life. So when I met Brad and Umberto, and I tasted this drink, and, and I call it the sweet nectar of the bourbon gods because it is. And the bourbon spectator just voted us the top five best sipping bourbon at its price range in America, which is a heck of an award or an honor. Yeah. We've won six gold medals. Three for taste, three for design of the bottle. I mean, the bottles. It's a good looking bottle. It's thirty five, thirty four ninety nine is the is the suggested uh, retail price on this for a seven hundred fifty mil bottle. Not, it weighs in at ninety proof. You got the mash bill seventy five percent corn, so you're gonna yeah. what I got it and thirteen percent rye, twelve percent barley. So I thought there was a, a very nice sort of give and take in this whiskey uh, between that sort of um, uh, sweet. Not, not sweet in, in a bad way, but it's sweetness. And then you get that spice from the rye and the barley on the back end and just really in great balance. And and again, for at that price point, you're right, bro. It's just a great sipper. It's a great sipper and it mixes really well. I mean, I've made uh, old fashions and, and other drinks. As a matter of fact, one of the products I have coming out is my It's Time energy drink, which is the most natural energy drink on the market. Sorry, Rock. Mine's more natural than yours. I'll let, I'll let Dwayne know when I see him. Um, but this is a big seller. It's going to be in 40 countries coming out in eight weeks. But this drink, when I was mixing it too, it mixes with everything. And that's the beauty of it too. But I drink my bourbon straight. I like my Me, bourbon. I'm a, that's that kind of, well, I, you know, I love a good old fashioned. I do like a good, but I, I, I do. I love a good old fashioned, yeah. love a good old fashioned. No, definitely. When you get involved with something like this, obviously we're COVID and we're sort of coming out, I guess. Are you, do you have plans to sort of get out there and really kind of 
get into some of these festivals and things like that and, and interact with people with the brand? Yeah, of course we do. Um, but the other thing that's really occurred that's really been beneficial to everybody is in the world of COVID, one thing in my business, I do these videos. I do. You've heard of Cameo, right? Sure, of course, yeah. Okay. I'm probably one of their biggest sellers on Cameo. I do a ton of Cameos where people write me at brucebuffer.com, my website, my office, my partner, Kristen, takes care of this. But we do a ton of videos for the birth of babies and championship introductions and birthdays, Father's Day, all this kind of stuff. We just do a ton. During the COVID period, that went up three, 400%, which really taught me about the beauty of virtual reality, as we all have learned how to be working out of our home, stuff I've already known, I've been doing, but now it's everybody sees it, how companies can save money working out of your homes, this, that, and the other. So where there's festivals or where there's people doing personal appearances, which I do, and I'm starting to do more since COVID is lifting to the degree that it's lifting, please. please. <laughs> um, yeah. From please. your mouth to God's ears, buddy. I hope so, man. Yeah. It's we're, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a bit of a tunnel for the rest of our lives, I think. Um, and I mean that in a po- as positive way as I possibly can. But when I do videos, right, where let's say there's bars that have UFC nights and I'll do videos, you know, to, to tell people this is what that's happening or, or videos or the point of purchase displays that we have. We are selling like hotcakes. We, Puncher's Chance is now, honestly can be said, is one of the fastest selling newest bourbons. We're only a year and a half old, give or take. One of the fastest selling newest bourbons and highest rated award-winning bourbons in America today. I'm really proud of that because you know, and I know that sure, there's a lot of celebs coming out with their drinks, right? Sure. Again, I'm not a guy that goes in the studio and films a couple of videos and takes pictures and then the, and the punchers use them for the next two years. I'm a vested partner. I'm on the phone with Zoom meetings with you know the biggest retailers in the country from BevMo to Costco to you name it. We're constantly moving this brand, doing all it takes. Yeah, and that's and and that is what it takes because, like you said, I, there are a fair number of of famous people that have gotten in this business and 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 more power to them. But they're you know their their involvement's limited. And I always think to myself, I don't know that they're going to make it. Like the other night, I watched uh, Brian Cranston was on Colbert, you know, uh, for break, and he's got that dos hombres man, and he brought it with him, and he's constantly pushing it. I mean, The Rock, you mentioned The Rock, Terramana, he's always pushing this thing, you know, and and wow. that's what it takes. I would say out of all the people out there, that Brian Cranston and um, his buddy on the show, Aaron, they're Paul. Really tra- yeah. Aaron Paul, they're, they're traveling the country, they're doing the number. And aside from The Rock and them, they're probably the two most recognized celebs that are doing, you know, doing what it takes to get it out there the way they're getting out there. Rock, had, Rock, Dwayne, love you, but you got a private jet, okay? So shoot that <laughs> thing over here for me, will you? <laughs> Seriously. Well, uh, Bruce, it's been, I, I got to ask you one more thing before I let you go. Where did It's Time come from? Did that? Do you remember when that idea popped into your head, like this is going to be the thing I'm going to say? Yeah, it's a constant thing because every day I wake up when I would look in the mirror, I'd always go like, it's time, you know, to have the best day possible, to be the best I can be, to have the best sales day. I'm a closer. I'm ABC. I'm, you know, I'm Alec Baldwin, you know, from Glengarry, Glen Ross, sure, always be sure. closing, do the number, maybe a lot more polite than he is, of course, in that movie, in that movie. Put so that I, coffee down. Yeah, coffee's for closers. <laughs> coffee's Put that coffee down. Yeah. <laughs> ABC, great. One of the greatest scenes in film. Amazing. So amazing. I'm, I'm tenacious. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, uh, one thing entrepreneurs have to realize is that a lot of your motivation is self-motivation, right? You got to motivate yourself. You got to get it. You got to pat yourself on the back. You got to slap yourself in the ass. You got to do whatever it takes to get out there and get the number done. And being an entrepreneur, you need to know every aspect of your business to do every aspect of your business, to be the best at every aspect of your business. So you can teach and delegate others 
to make your business grow. It's really simple. Like business is simple. Everybody's trying to reinvent the wheel. I've done the same. To me, all businesses are the same. It's just the product that's different. So apply the same principles to each product you represent, but believe in your product. Well, I'll tell you what, the product that Bruce has right now is Puncher's Chance. And it is a, uh, like he said, he said it's coming out the gate super strong. I highly recommend this. They they got another one coming out, and I'll probably have some information on that later, a new product that's not out yet, but they have the Distance, which is a 12-year-old, and then they've got the Puncher's Chance uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, uh, which is... Again, I love it. A good-looking bottle. It's going to look great behind your bar. Hold it up again. Got it right there. there. Look at this. Here we go. And uh, you can follow Bruce on the uh, on the social medias, and we'll be posting some stuff. And the Bruce Buffer, it has been a real pleasure meeting you, my friend. And 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 thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. Let me just read the admonition on the bottle. This is an yes, example. Yes, please of do. This is what we'll close it with. Here we go. Puncher's Chance is Kentucky Straight Bourbon, inspired by two great American traditions: whiskey and fighting. For what we believe in. This bourbon is made with heart and honor for those who know how far they've come, for those who started early, stayed late, day after day, year after year, for those who have the courage and the strength to do what others won't. It's as simple as that, my friend. It's simple as that. So it's all about that. Take a puncher's chance on us, have a sip, and you'll love it. But at the same time, I mainly want to wish everybody out there all the best. Big cheers and no fears forever. As I say, we live in a very strange world right now. So stay safe, stay positive, and be the best you can be. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. And let's stand above this decaying society and morality we're living in. It's getting crazy, Dan. Amen to that. Bruce Buffer. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a drink on me. That's going to do it for this episode of What We're Drinking. My thanks to Bruce Buffer and Brad Jaffe. Of course, as always, my most sincere thanks to you for choosing to spend time with me on this podcast because there are currently 7,443,000 podcasts to choose from and you've chosen this one. That means a lot to me. Got a holiday weekend coming up, and I hope you have a safe and happy 4th of July. And we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>